Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on 9 to Noon to help you navigate family life. Parenting is often called the hardest job in the world. There's no training, there's no manual, no report card or annual review to let you know you're doing okay. And the boss is a baby. Nine to Noon parenting commentator and education consultant Joseph Dreesen's been drawing up a list of the top ten parenting faults and their solutions. Joseph, welcome back. Hey, nice to be here, Catherine. Good to hear your voice. Good and really good to talk. Shall we crack straight into it uh, yes. with, with 10 of the big ones? Where shall we begin? Well, I just thought in context we've been talking about uh, parenting difficult children. <coughs> so this is very much in that context, which I thought uh, I'll just explore what happens when the child is a little bit difficult or very difficult and then the faults come and they just keep rolling out. So, so I thought I'll just start with the first one the first one is that it's only natural to get angry as a parent um, because the child is offending various rules and social mores but uh, getting angry and flighty and and aggressive with the child is is a common error and what happens then that the neurology of the child changes and they become aggressive in return and you have a cycle parent aggressive child aggressive but the child is just growing, and therefore uh, that neurology is, is embedded, and, and you're creating an angry person. And uh, and you need to just decide, we're not going to go down this track anymore. We're going to forget getting angry. You've got to stay professional and calm and realize you're 40 and they're 4 or 14. And the calmness then uh, takes the threat away. The threat takes the cortisol and, and, and stress hormones away. And a child can then access its reasoning, its conscience, and its social awareness, and you can have a dialogue with it. So put the whole thing on ice, walk away from the argument, and then start again the next day. I just remember those words from one of your very popular earlier sessions, you know, um, a, a stressed child or an angry child needs you to be calm. And, yeah. And, and it, it is the old 10-second rule, as you say, or even just leaving the whole situation to another time. Yeah. Yeah. And that that leads me to the next one, which is uh, some parents uh, build up a a, quite a grudge, which is understandable. Uh, You know, quite a lot of damage has been done and and they've been under a lot of stress and and they can't forgive it. Really, They can't forgive the child. And then they try and repress that. And what happens then that when something happens, they suddenly let fly. And they say things which they don't really want to say. They don't mean it. But they're actually processing their own sadness and anger about the whole thing. And then they're using the child as sort of a sounding board. And, and they what they can do is they can start saying to the child, you're a bad child, you're, you're making mistakes and this and that. And, and the child will internalize that. And, and they'll start thinking. And children do. Young children and old children, they say, well, actually, I'm a really bad person. You realize that. They might say to a teacher or to their grandparents, I'm a bad person and, and because of that language. And so and so my advice to the parent is is to not do that to, and to say to the child instead, you're a good child. I love you and you have so many strengths, but you're making the choices aren't so good. Minimize that language and maximize the dialogue. 
is it a good idea then? It's interesting to hear you say you build up a grudge because you don't think of that happening parent and child, but of course it does. You can get hacked off with someone whose behaviour is, you know, seems persistent, un- persistently unfair or irrational, even though that's not a rational response. You're, you're only human. So does it, make sense, does it make sense to offload that to another adult? Get it out of your system yeah. another way. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, you know, just like in a job, like a social worker or a counsellor or a principal, you get someone to talk to professionally. Um, I, as a parent, you need a good friend or a good relatives, and you should have a have a process of actually uh, talking with people and including your family and saying, well, it's a little bit difficult and what do you think? And they might criticise you and give you bad advice, so you, therefore you stop doing it. But you need somebody to process your emotions. So when you're on stage parenting that child, you don't need to do that. Those Those high-energy emotions have been discharged by talking in a safe place. Great to talk about it being on stage. To some extent, it's a performance. It might not be what you were thinking, but what you say, that positive language is helping wiring that child's self-perception and you want it to be oh. you want it to be one of, I'm a good person, sometimes I'd make bad decisions, not I'm a bad kid. Absolutely, and it's wonderful when you practice that, you know, like you, you were a bit grumpy and kind of thing, and but then you give your child a hug or, or your grandchild or somebody and you say, I love you so much and because you're such a wonderful child, you know, and, and I'm so proud of you. And you can see those little smiles going into their mouths and their eyes start shining and they melt into you, you know. The children just love being loved. And so, okay, they don't realize they are causing part of the problem but they, they're caught in that sort of immaturity cycle. So they love it when you're kind and caring to them. That leads us into pretty much rolls into the next point, which is uh, focusing on bad behaviour versus proactively coaching the good behaviour. Yeah, well, that's very common. It's very normal. Like uh, all human organisms or, or animals, we, are, we, you know, we love good things happening to us, but when something bad happens, we really take notice. Our, our, neuro, our own neurology is primed to, to really sit up if things go wrong. And so therefore, a child might be good 10 times, and, but the once they make a mistake, and we sit up and notice that. And if they, they make a mistake again, we sit up again. And before we know it, we ignore the four good things and, and we're just focusing and we build up a narrative about how bad it is and the mistakes they make and we're waiting for it. And then we keep on harping on about it. But really, it's completely dysfunctional. Uh, you've got to step back and think, OK, this is not going well. In the morning routine, it's not working. How can I coach this child and help this child to become more autonomous and, 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 and responsible? And so you go away from criticism to coaching. So my advice to the, to the parents is once you, like, you know, think about it yourself and you think, well, maybe I'm doing that. I am actually focusing all the bad points because they really drive me mad and ignoring the good points. And I, I would propose coach rather than criticize. And if there is going to be a bit of both, there should be way more coaching than criticizing, right? There's the, there should be way, yeah. way more positive reinforcement than there should be than there should be the criticism. Yeah, 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 totally. Because some children are tremendously sensitive, and and you might only say a few words, and you don't know the impact it has. Uh, you know, just like your partner, if your partner says, "Let's fly," and say something about you, you might think about it for weeks or months. And think, gee, I didn't realise that she thought of me, of me like that. So you've got to be really careful. And that leads us to the next thing, is that uh, some parents, and uh, they are gun shy because of the faults and the mistakes, and so they build up this narrative and their language is negative. But really, 
they should actually sit down one Saturday afternoon and in, a, in a quiet place and write down all the strengths and the virtues of their child. Or, you know, they might be a little bit disorganized, but they're super helpful and they might forget things. And yet uh, they're the most caring person on earth or they have great sense of humor. Make those points, make that big list and, and, and make them in your mind and write them up and put them in your diary and start noticing them. And start saying to the child, thanks for being so helpful. And I love your sense of humor. And whenever you are at the table with us, you know, the conversation goes really well. And so the child starts to notice their strengths. And as you notice them and they notice them, then actually they become more aware of their mistakes. And they think, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that because really, you know, my mom loves me and, and she thinks the world of me. And I, I make great contribution to our family life. I shouldn't do this. So, so noticing their virtues and strength is a very positive thing for a parent to do and, uh, and to weave that into the conversation during the day. You have to be proactive because often a really good kid, of course, you're not noticing bad behaviour, so you're not really possibly giving any feedback about the good behaviour. But as you say, that's, oh, a, that's yeah. a missed opportunity. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely, Catherine. Uh, some children, and some that's a really interesting uh, uh, thing to say because some good children get quite sort of down and a little bit, depressed about the fact if there's a bad child in the family or a difficult child in the family, I shouldn't say bad, there's difficult episodes, they just get ignored. And, and you know, at the end of the spectrum, that can be quite damaging to a child. So it pays you like a teacher, a good teacher um, is very balanced in their approach to the children and they know they don't let certain people dominate their classes and a good family and a good parent does the same. If you have a persistent issue you're working with, this brings us to the next Um, fault in the solution which is persistency can lead you to label a child either to to them or to others right and labeling them as bad or problematic or or, or whatever so what's number five about labeling the child as bad is 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 quite a significant mistake to make and we we talked about that in in just recently recently that that when you say to a child you are a bad person because you're doing this um then the child will take that on board and they will actually say that and uh, and so you should say you know you're making you ma- you got to make better choices but you're a good person and that leads us to actually uh, a, a sort of uh, fault number seven which sometimes parents feel so bad about their behavior of their child maybe at a family wedding they weren't very good or they're selfish with other children or you know they're a bit off, off, uh, socially gauche and things like that some families uh, some parents isolate themselves from their family support and and they try and just kind of batten down their patches and try and do it all themselves they might avoid speaking to their family about their children because they perceive they're being criticized this withdrawal and isolation from your family because you perceive their your child is not as good as their their cousins and all this kind of stuff that's not a good thing at all you want to fact reach out you want to in fact make a phone call to your brother or your sister or your mum or your cousin and say look you know i know my son is or daughter is a bit difficult and i'm struggling with it and maybe have you some advice or can you help what you'll find that you'll find out will then reach out to you and they will start looking at this child much more objectively and thinking okay how can we help and those efforts those aunts and uncles and cousins make to do these good things you know using positive language noticing their virtues uh, taking them under their wing you'll be amazed to what extent your family will actually 
thoughtfully and wisely interact with your child and it becomes an asset rather than a liability. So labeling the child and isolating yourself are two things you want to avoid. That village cracks, and it's interesting, isn't it? It's too it's too short a trip from from using language like "I have a naughty child" to "I'm a bad parent" or "not a good enough parent," and neither of those things is 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 the case. But it's an easy self accusation to fall into. Oh yes, because we all want to be the best parents we can be. I've never yet in my entire career met a parent who didn't want to do a good job and who didn't love their child. But sometimes they were. They were stuck in a position or they were overwhelmed by the problems. And, but it doesn't take a lot of support and encouragement. It doesn't take a lot of talking it through and, and, and a, a, a sort of surrounding them by kindness and care uh, that they suddenly, suddenly flourish. And, and in fact, the more you can invest into a parent who is struggling with the child, the better, the better it is for the parent and the child. We skipped over six, which is related and important. Learned helplessness versus improving and practicing your parenting skill set. Don't, oh, don't, it, it's, it's not giving up, right? Yeah, the learned helplessness, in fact, is, is like you've got to say five strategies and they don't work and the child just carries on and it gets worse. And then you just, after a while, give up. And there's a relationship, Catherine, between um, parents who can't solve the parenting issues and, and a sense of depression, which then leads on to a sort of helplessness. I don't know what to do. And um, and that can go quite extreme. But it is part of the previous thing I talked about. That is just not right. It's like having a nice car, which doesn't work anymore. And you just put it in the garage and you forget about it. That's crazy. Go to, the, go to somebody who knows about it. So instead of um, isolating yourself and becoming helpless... Just open up a dialogue, find some professional advice, see a counsellor, etc., etc., and then say, well, what are the skills I need to have for this particular issue? Uh, go to a course like The Incredible Years and um, or Positive Parenting and, and put the effort into <clears throat> reaching out, uh, gaining some more skills, practicing those skills and seeing the results. It's way better, way better. The last three uh, parenting style matters again, the last three most common faults and their solutions, holding on to your anger versus forgiving your child, which sort of circles back to an earlier one in some ways, but it's about that context of they are just learning to grow up. It's remembering um, remembering the situation you're in, even when the energy levels are, are flagging. Yeah, well, that is a really interesting one because I know they're related to what I talked before, but the difference is amazing when you talk to a parent or a teacher and they suddenly sort of switch, it's like a switch, they decide to forgive the child and to realize actually, you know, um, I need to be more of a therapist or more of a counselor, I just need to have better skills. And when you go into that mode, when you have that forgiveness and that mode of I just need to be better for this child because they're struggling then everything changes and then every episode of difficulty and challenge actually it sounds really weird Catherine but it's in fact a tremendous sense of satisfaction you think I know what I'm doing here I know what's happening I know what a child is trying to tell me they're trying to reach out but they're using negative attention to seek it so I'm going to give positive attention and suddenly the child notices this, that somehow you're in a different plane, you're on a different space, and they notice that. And so, yeah, 
it's a fantastic journey as a parent and as a teacher to to reach that next level of skill and a sense of forgiveness and equanimity and just saying i'm going to hang in here and provide this child with the skills that, that i need to have even though i might not be perfect i'm doing my best and let's not get let's not hold grudges let's forgive number nine my way or the highway yeah, well, that's that's part of the spectrum we talked about before, but it's really important to reiterate is that uh, authoritarian parents are usually very anxious and they want the best for their children, but then they flip into sort of, well, I don't know how to solve this, so let's just roll out one, two, three, four, five, and let's do it. Let's go. And uh, and a child might not want that or they're confused or they're too slow or they want to be listened to. And so you just steamroll them. And, and steamrollering will provoke either active resistance or passive resistance. A child will become sneaky and angry or just uh, they lose their spirit. So um, that is not a good way. And, uh, and you should listen to yourself speak. And the teachers or the people who you meet will try and give you little signals. You know, this is New Zealand. We are totally super polite and we don't say things openly. So we hint at it. And, uh, but, but some parents are just... They're just not hearing it. So I would propose that when you feel angry, you want to bulldoze the child and make them do what you want them to do, actually to sit down and say, hey, listen, you know, we're a team, you know, and, and you've got to do your thing and I've got to do my thing. And probably I'm not perfect as a parent and you're not perfect as a child, but let's work together and let's negotiate what has to happen and what are your responsibilities. Go into that. What children need from authoritarian parent is a parent who changes their approach and starts listening to the child, negotiating with the child and talking to the child and modeling to them, this is how you change and, and how you create harmony and how you change your life. If you don't, what will happen? This child will button up, might do what you tell them, but they will act this out when they are married to their children. Uh, they will act it out at work. They might act it out as adults. And we don't want that. We don't want to perpetuate this aggressive authoritarian parenting. We want to get rid of it and become just more balanced. Not wimpish, but balanced. Well, that leads us to the final uh, parenting fault and its solution, which is being permissive, permissive and weak versus... Yeah, authoritative, assertive and caring. It's interesting, in my teacher seminars, which I do every week, and I always take a vote and, uh, and ask the teachers how many permissive parents do they know, and a lot of hands go up. And these are parents who love their children, um, but they don't know how to set limits. And uh, some parents are actually passionately committed to this road of, of saying the child is big enough to decide for themselves when they get up, what they do, and they should make their own mistakes. And, and they get furious if other adults actually put limits to the child. But that is not, it is sad, it's not true. Children need limits and boundaries. They feel secure uh, with rules and, 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 and agreements and, um, and, and, and chores which must be done and uh, being held accountable. And, and if you don't, then the child becomes actually incapable of, um, of, of managing themselves. Their own impulsivity is too great. They need a structure. And so uh, permissive parents are often, um, they think they're doing a great job. Often the children are very socially skillful. They become bush lawyers and uh, argue brilliantly. But many of these children lack self-discipline and, and they become willful and can throw massive tantrums um, when things go wrong. So you want to change. You want to become more balanced and say to your child, 
there are certain rules we've agreed about them and they're going to stick and then you've got to have the courage to have little battles and uh, so the permissive parent needs to do what the authoritarian parent actually does too much of they need to uh, set boundaries um, they need to specify what are the expectations and and help the child understand what they are they want to coach the child hold them accountable and if the child becomes willful and difficult they need to have the courage of the convictions to uh, to dish out some consequences or to have some time in or time out or uh, ask for apologies or gate the child whatever there needs to be action so the child learns through consequences that actually i can't do whatever i want and uh, many teachers feel that some parents need to improve in this issue quite a bit. Interesting you talk about teachers. We've got uh, a couple of questions here and one observation from listeners. And the first is the, okay, ob- cool. is, first is the observation. Came across a new entrant teacher who hypnotised her class, never told kids what to do or ask them, always said, I love the way you always listen carefully, sit quietly, help others, etc. She was very persistent and got great results. She said kids wants to be loved and she wanted to put the right pictures into their subconscious Interesting way of uh, of approaching. Yeah, that. yeah, no, no, totally. Uh, hypnotizing is a wonderful word. I don't think yeah, she meant but, literally, but <laughs> no, no, that was but the impact. Actually, <laughs> actually, great. If you walk, if you uh, go into a great family or in a great classroom, that's exactly what, what it looks like. These are yeah. two similar but different questions: um, age and also what they're talking about. I'm going to give them to you. Tell me if you need the second one repeated. Uh, the first one is I have an autism spectrum disorder ASD 10 year old child and my younger 7 year old neurotypical child has learnt a lot of his bad behaviours is that word but uh, you know behaviours we don't yep. want yep. and we're struggling to manage this any suggestions actually let's deal with that first yeah I, that's very common <clears throat> and uh, the, the younger child needs a different process than the older child because the older child because of that that spectrum is difficult to manage and the the outcomes have to be the same the behavior of the child has to be good but the process has to be different but for the younger child I, I believe there are two issues here one is that the younger child is probably missing out on positive attention and love from the parent because the parent has got their hands full with the other child so there's an issue of sense of I need more of your love and so the second thing is then then the child thinks well my older sibling gets lots of love and attention by being misbehaving, so I'll do the same. So my first advice is for the parent actually to sit down with their partner and to say, how can we spend more time one-to-one with this younger child by themselves so without being distracted and pour them full of love and reassure them, hey, we love you lots. That's, that will take away the, the, the force of the negative behavior. And then the second one is the younger child knows what's right and wrong And so once you've done that whole loving job and the child feels more secure and caring and more attached, then you want to sit down with them saying, but actually, you know, maybe your older brother doesn't quite understand how to do this, but you do. And I want you to be accountable for your actions. And so that, that younger child then needs lots of love and then more discipline, more, look, I'm going to put you in time out for that or I'm disappointed with that, you know, and that's not going to happen again. So there's a slightly different process for the younger child. They're getting the same reward but a diff- through a different pathway, a, a more positive pathway for everyone is, is really what you're shooting for there, isn't it? Um, uh, well, the, uh, Catherine, the, the, the thing I'm trying to say is that the underlying issue is the child needs to be demonstrated to be loved more mm. by the parent, by themselves, but then they need to be disciplined more directly. Yes, yeah. The second 
Inquiry is an 18-year-old Asperger's boy man we have. We are completely fatigued at trying to coach our son to do simple tasks consistently. I'm struggling now and go to completely stressed and overwhelmed in a heartbeat. Any advice? Yeah, that's really sad to hear because the parent is obviously doing the very, very best. And, uh, and they are just gradually getting worn out and therefore their own mental brain system is, is flipping out so easily. And uh, my suggestion is that they either join a group or go and see a person or find an advisor and to work out a strategy for the old child which will work. And, um, and I couldn't do that now over the, uh, you know, over the interview, but they need some advice how to do it. Plus, they need nurturing and coaching of how to get out of this exhaustion and out of this sort of fight and flight reaction they have themselves. What kind of help is available out there, depending on where you are, I guess, but what, what would be the next step to try and get that support you're talking about? Well, Asperger's has been talked about a lot. There are support, there are support groups. Uh, there are some education consultants who specialise in it. Um, there are teachers in the school, RTLB teachers in the school, uh, resource specialists, and sometimes you just got to go and pay for it. You know, don't yeah. wait in a two-year waiting list. Just pay for it. And, and then there are lots of books in the library and online. Online, there's a massive amount of resources. And so you've got to widen that network for support and help. And then she needs, I believe this parent needs uh, some counseling and support for their own exhaustion and, uh, and sense of uh, helplessness. Joseph, thank you. Education consultant Joseph Dreesen. And Nineteenoons Parenting Interviews, which we do this time each Thursday, are now available as a standalone podcast. It's called It Takes a Village, and you can find it on RNZ's website, app, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.